Hello and welcome back to General Chat. This week's guest is J.R. Cook, co-host of Well Met, a Hearthstone-based podcast, and co-founder of BlizzPro, a Blizzard franchise-based website that hosts podcasts, has news articles, has guides, has a little bit of everything for everyone. And boy, does this episode have a little bit of everything for everyone. We talk about the journey to create BlizzPro, the Hearthstone firesides that JR is a part of, and what it's like to grow up as a nerd in a small town. I hope you enjoy this episode with JR Cook. Now let's get into it. Hey, welcome, JR. How are you? Oh, I'm uh, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, I can't complain. I'm here. I'm interviewing you. Thank you so much for coming on. No, hey, no problem. Uh, you asked me if I won, and I, I, I never say no. So I will. Uh, that's probably one of my quirks. I just never say no to someone. <laughs> oh boy, it's out there in the world now. You better watch out. You can get so many requests. Uh, no, I won't. Man, I, I, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. We, we sort of talked about it beforehand, but uh, I know that you had some questions for me and uh, things like that. I like to keep it a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you'll have answers for me. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I found out about you through a mutual friend who contributes to your website. You are the co-founder of BlizzPro, which is a, mm-hmm. for the uninitiated, a website dedicated to Blizzard-related news and interviews and must-see content. Can you tell me a little bit about how BlizzPro came to be? That is a long story. So <laughs> we've got time. Let's we've buckle in, time, don't we? I and the thing is, I don't think I've ever told the full story before either. Um, Ooh, exclusive. Uh, well, other than to like friends and things like that, but not like <laughs> publicly. Um, let, let's let's actually go back to like twenty years ago. Um, well. Yeah, um, that's when I first got into like fan site content creation. Mm. Um, I was in college. I'm very old, so um, <laughs> um, I was in college and I was playing Ultima Online, which is as many people probably remember. It's it's still going on. I just don't play <laughs> it anymore. Uh, it's it's one of the original MMOs. Um, and, uh, I, I, I played that and I got invested into a website called Stratix, which was like the fan site for Ultima online. And they had branched out to other games. And one of the game, one of the new sites that they were spinning up was a World of Warcraft site. World of Warcraft hadn't been out yet. It had just been announced. Um, they, uh, uh, it had just been announced. Things were kind of entering into a beta phase. So this is back in like 2003, 2004. And I joined that team in World of Warcraft to start writing about it. Um, fast forward a few more years. And in 2007, I became the managing editor uh, for that site over on Stratic. Um, go a few more years past that. And I leave Stratix and uh, start and start uh, working with another Blizzard-related fan site. Um, I'll keep this one unnamed, though. Um, I did that for about five years, and then 
with some friends and I'm a co-founder with um, Heather is her name. And uh, she was someone that I started with back in 1998 when I started doing content for Ultima Online Stratix. So that's why I went that far back because I wanted to kind of, you know, give that little brief history on how we became co-founders of this. Um, so back in 2013, I finally decided, you know, um, I'm done uh, writing for other people. Why don't we start up our own? And that's that's actually how Blizz Pro got created. We're a little over five years old now. Uh, so we started in 2013. But between Heather and I, we, ha- we, we have 40 years of experience now with uh, fan sites. So... That's incredible. Uh, yeah. So Blues Pro is uh, it's it's not a big website. It's not it's not a um you know, it's not an MMO champion. It's not it's not a wow head. Um it's not a Blizzard watch or anything like that. Um but we're fairly respectable. Um I've had connections with Blizzard since my days over at Stratix, so as far back as when we were in beta, um, back in those days, Blizzard uh, didn't have a very uh, good relationship with fan sites. So that's our developing around, I want to say 2006, 2007 is when they're more open to fan sites. And I started working with community managers. So I've known people at Blizzard for many, many years now. And uh, those connections kind of helped Blizz Pro. Um, become kind of at least sort of well-known. And um, I had the idea of kind of going back to the way that Stratix was ran, where it was fully volunteer. Since we don't get a lot of, we don't get a ton of visitors, um, we do make a little bit of ad revenue, but um, all of it ends up going into like our hosting and things like that. And so we make, I mean, I, I'm going to be, I want to be very open. We, we, we make less than a hundred dollars a month running that website. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, you know, as you can imagine that all goes into like hosting fees and stuff like that. Right. It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. Absolutely. So it, instead of just me being the one that r- was writing everything, um, like I was doing on some other websites, um, I decided to open it up and see if other people in the community were interested in doing such a thing. And uh, I was I was very surprised uh, because we got a ton of people that submitted articles, um, example articles, and things like that. And we actually went through an went through an interview process. Um, and uh, I, I would say that out of that first group that we had three of those people are now working at Blizzard. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things where it was a labor of love, but um, people used it to their advantage as a stepping stone to get to their ultimate goal for them, which was working at Blizzard. And that was a goal that I had back in the day as well. Um, unfortunately, it just never panned out for me, and I'm at the point in my career where um, I'm just not interested in that anymore. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty happy with wh- where I'm at with my uh, career in the job that I have and where I'm living. Um, so uh, it's 
but it's cool to see how that has grown and how the people that um, kind of helped me start have grown and where they're at today. Um, I think I think we've had a total of five five people that have, have been that have worked with Blizz Pro. It might be six now um, that have worked with Blizz Pro and went on uh, to work at Blizzard. So I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I think it speaks highly of the content that you're making, that someone would look at that, hone their skills through creating something they're passionate about, and then go on to work for that company. Mm -hmm. I think that speaks well of you guys. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I see it is like uh, a lot of these people that have been with me for five years, like they're, they're also like my best friends. So it's not only just, you know, we're, we're working together, but uh, we're also just a bunch of good buddies. And uh, it's just, uh, it, it's hard to describe because um, all of the other websites I worked before I created BlizzPro didn't really, Stratix was close, but didn't really feel that way. Um, whereas, you know, I've got, I've, I've made a lot of friends in the last five years uh, with this. I think that's something that is something that we've touched on a couple times on this podcast where it's like the Blizzard community and I'm sure many other fan communities out there but specifically the Blizzard community has this way of bringing people together and it's all because we all like love the same thing and are all really passionate about this all this nerdy stuff and all this lore and all this like oh yay new expansions and oh yay new card packs and oh yay you know new heroes and things like that that we can talk about but it starts from talking about you know rage strategy to talking about how was your work day how was things before you started coming to raid and then oh how is your mother how is your family you know mm-hmm. uh, what is your psychological trauma from 10 years ago you know like things can get deep through digital friends and i think that that's something that this community really fosters yeah absolutely and it's just it to me it's interesting on how like things have shifted over those 20 years um and and as far as like how we communicate with each other um and, and all of the different um all the different tools that we have now and how, how easy it's become uh, to communicate with each other. Because even in the last five years, it's changed a lot because I mean, uh, when I started with Stratix, it, w- it was uh, uh, forums. So it was like these uh, BB code forums or whatever. Um, and that, and that's how we did work uh, amongst each other. And that lasted for a long time. Um, and then, but because Communities still, you know, they they still have forums and things like that, but it's definitely shifted since social media has, uh, you know, has uh, taken precedence. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and communities that are forming around there, um, instead of having these little centralized niche places um, that you have to discover yourself. Um, it's much easier to get discovered because there's so many people using Facebook, so many people using Twitter, and then they suggest these communities for you. Um, you know, and that's stuff that, uh, you know, until I want to say in the last 10 years, we, we just didn't have. 
Um, so it's interesting to see how that's grown over the years. And, uh, and then in the last five years and how we work with each other, because I remember when I first started Blizz Pro, we used, we used Facebook groups to talk amongst our team members. And then it like three years ago, Slack came along and discord. And now we're using these messaging services instead. So, and they're very mobile friendly. So instead of people working on their computers all the time, now people are working on their phones. And so it, and that's something I wouldn't have even fathomed in 1998 when I first started this. Like what, how are people talking to each other on their phones without actually like picking up the phone and talking to them? So I know we had mobile phones back then, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Not the smartphones that we have today. No, my goodness. I mean, today you can log into your desktop PC from your phone and run World of Warcraft from your that's, phone. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane to me. They're just little tiny computers. And you can you can record podcasts from your phone. You can do anything. You can run a community. And it's yeah. kind of wild to hear you talk about forums. Because I remember... And this was, hmm, how long ago was this? Let's see. Probably like hmm, 10, 15 years ago. And I was on forums and I cannot remember the exact anime forum that it was, but in true, uh, in true nerd action, I don't think I'm ready to go full, like full weeb action, but it was definitely <laughs> full nerd action. I was on anime forums and like constantly posting my feelings about uh about anime and being in like the chat rooms these like early chat rooms that were like well not not super early but for me uh, early chat rooms that were like you know my first introduction to like you know asl questions and and fan theories and like role playing and all these different things that you did through the forums that people are now doing in like discord channels, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't even know. I can't even remember the last time I have, uh, went to a forum and created an account and posted on it. Um, I, I've accidentally run into forums by do, doing Google searches for certain things and then, you know, looking at them and maybe finding something that I was looking for as far as an answer to something. But as far as like being active in a community, it's probably been over a decade at this point or close to it. Yeah, exactly. And it always feels like that when you run into a forum, right? Because you open up this like, uh, let's see, you'll open up a forum for like, get Gaia online or something right and it'll be like an all black background with like uh blue text on top and like this weird little like a pixelated scrolling mouse with like yeah. a like a little pouring in a, a wing or something and it's like oh this does look like it's from a decade ago okay yep yeah and then in other ways that we communicate um also is i'm thinking back in 1998 i was we were using instant messenger programs and I still remember my ICQ number that I probably haven't used in over a decade either. Um, and then we started using aim and we started using, 
the MSN Messenger, the Yahoo Messenger, or oh boy. various things like that. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I have all these people using all these different programs. How am I going to get them together? So you start using something like Pigeon or Trillion that connects to them all. And then you got, you know, you, you can connect to them all that way. And uh, those all went away because now everybody just uses Facebook Messenger. They use Discord. Or I just text people on my phone. <laughs> Straight to their phone number. Like, I don't even use my phone to talk, like, actually physically talk anymore. I just use it to text people back and forth. Yeah, that's like a thing now. How dare you call me? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'd just be look at it and be like, no, I'm not answering. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing, like, my, like, my, like, I never, I never call up my friends and my friends never call me. We just always just text back and forth. And, uh, that's, uh, and I remember like not too long ago, picking up a phone and calling my friends at least once a week to see what's going on. Yeah. I do kind of miss that, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do a bit like. But I'm also the type of person who's like, I like to write letters to people and and mm. that sort of thing. So I, I like some of that. That uh, Are we calling it old-fashioned now? I don't know. That makes me feel old. Uh, <laughs> old-fashioned communication. But this is a bit like a phone call. Podcasting is a bit like an extended phone call. Yeah. And yeah. I want to know how you got into podcasting. I know of Well Met, which is a Hearthstone-based podcast. Had mm -hmm. you done any podcasting before that? I, I have tried a, a uh, once before I tried a podcast, but it was a long time ago. It had nothing to do with gaming. Um, and, but I've been on a few podcasts um, as like a guest host or things like that. Um, but the podcast that, and there's only like maybe three episodes that I did. And this was back. Oh, I'm trying to think of what year this was. Um, I want to say around, it was probably around 2005, 2006, around there. Um, I, I was doing a podcast, um, with a couple other people and we were talking about Renaissance fairs. And, uh, they, back then I had a, um, I, I really enjoyed going to Renaissance fairs and I really liked dressing up for Renaissance fairs. And I went through that phase for about four years. Um, and so that would have been in my, uh, early to mid twenties. Um, and I had met several people that were also into that and we kind of formed like a Renaissance fair, like community. Um, and I'd even run my own Renaissance fair, uh, for a couple of years in a very small town. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that was my first attempt at podcasting and I was not very good at it and I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but also the podcasting was very new back then. Um, it was, it, it was still kind of, um, it, it's not the thing it is today. Um, I don't even remember if iTunes was even a thing yet. It wouldn't have been because didn't oh iTunes? Goodness. No, it would have been because iTunes came out with the iPod, right? Yeah. The yes. iPod was in 2001. So yeah. So I, yeah. Um, but I just remember the difficulty 
of trying to host a podcast and and then also the difficulty of trying to figure out how to record and all of that and they make things like so much easier nowadays um uh but that was my only attempt at it and then uh in, in 2013 when we started up Blizz Pro um uh Twiz from Twizcast had kind of joined our network and he had a bunch of ideas for different podcasts uh, that we could do. And we brought on a lot of people and kind of started some. And uh, I think there's only one of those that's still around today. And that's uh, West March Workshop, which is our Diablo podcast over on Blizz Pro. And it still has one of the same, one of the original co-hosts on there. Um, so, so I was on, I, I was able to guest on a couple of his shows on, on Twizcast. And we also had started up a show called the Hearthstone Power Hour. And we only did maybe five or six episodes of that. And it was Twiz, myself, and Robert Wing, who now works for Blizzard. Um, and all we would do is we would load up Hearthstone. We would drink a lot. And we'd try to play Hearthstone. That was basically it. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I look it back on it, like it was a good yeah. time. Yeah, we talk about the beer that we were drinking or the the drink that we were drinking, and um, yeah, and it didn't last very long. Um, he he ended up rebranding Hearthstone Power Hour to something else, um, but it was fun. Um, so so that was how I got kind of my itch in into it, and then um, uh, we had started up a Hearthstone podcast put on by. Um, his name was Mark. He went by Shaman Ronger. I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> and he did a show called the Hearth Pro Show. And uh, it, it was a Hearthstone podcast. He started it shortly after Hearthstone was released. And they did about 50 episodes of that. And um, when they ended, uh, one, of, one of the co-hosts on there was Kevin Havdestad. And uh, he's, he still had the podcast itch when they ended. And so about six months or so after that podcast ended, I was talking to Kevin and he wanted to do, he still wanted to do a Hearthstone podcast. And I was very interested in the time in doing a, a Hearthstone podcast. So this would have been, this would have been back in, at the end of 2014, um, maybe the beginning of 2015. And we decided that we didn't know anything about audio and we didn't know how to start a podcast on our own. Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't ha kind of had the technical know-how. Um, or I, we, we also didn't feel confident in our um, abilities to host yet. So how did you guys overcome those stumbling blocks with starting? Yeah, so so I use my platform at Blues Pro to put out say, hey, uh, we're looking for someone to host a new podcast that we're going to put together. Um, if you can put together like a five-minute uh, example show and send it to us, that'd be cool. And then we'll listen to them and we'll go through an interview process and we'll, we'll start up a show. And I was actually very surprised at the response. I think we had like 15 or so responses. And so we had to go through them, and that's what, how we picked uh, uh, John Horstman 
and he ended up becoming the host of Well Met. And uh, uh, so we started that up in March of 2015. And we've been going on ever since. Uh, the hosts have changed during that time. I am the only original host left on the show. Um, part of that is because Kevin um, got a job at Blizzard. <laughs> I keep losing people to Blizzard. Um, so <laughs> now working there as part of the esports team uh, as a writer. And uh, John just decided um, several months ago that um, he just didn't care for Hearthstone anymore. So he didn't really want to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, weekly. Um, and I understand that. Um, so we've, we've gone through a handful of different co-hosts. Um, right now it's myself, uh, Danny Donuts is what he goes by, and then Ray C. And Danny is a, um, uh, a really good le- uh, Legend Wild player. Uh, he's really focused on the wild format in Hearthstone and Ray is a professional Hearthstone player. Uh, he's on a team. He's on, he's on Panda global and, uh, he's, he is routinely in the top 100 every month on ladder. And he's, he won some major tournaments as well. So which side do you represent? If, if Danny is your wild, your wild side so if race is your your legend guy, where do you fall within that spectrum? Um, I just keep my mouth shut and let them talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I try. I try to just be the mediator. Um, I just. Uh, I, I'm still very good. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm not as good as them at Hearthstone, um, but I've hit legend multiple times. Um, I'm not like a top five hundred player or top 100 player, anything like that. Um, but I'm very knowledgeable in the game and very knowledgeable in the news around the game. Um, I've been following it since the game was announced. Um, I've been playing um, uh, TCGs uh, since high school. And as we identified earlier, I'm really old. So, <laughs> you know, that that's 20 plus years. <laughs> um so yeah, it's uh, so I, I'm just the uh, I, I I'm the guy that knows about the news. I'm the guy that kind of puts the show together uh, every week. Um, I'm the guy that uh, does a lot of the management stuff behind the scenes, and then um, I just try to pass back and forth and get their opinions, and then throw my own in here and there, uh, or I just try to make some stupid jokes as well. And they, people laugh at them sometimes. We love a good dad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I tell a few of those. Well, is there a particular style that you like playing between standard and wild? Uh, right now, I prefer standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have I have so many cards that I can play wild. Um. When I played Magic the Gathering, I preferred the standard format. And the reason why is because things just change uh, very quickly. Um, more so than if you're playing like a legacy type format like Wild is. Do you feel like playing in those realms of 
the standard current meta decks, you are forced to kind of learn and grow as a result of that? Um, I mean, yeah, but um, you can do that in wild too. So I don't, I, I, all things considered, um, I don't think it's so much about like growth. I think, I think it's more of things don't get, things don't feel stale normally um, over a long period of time. And, um, and because you're always playing with the new cards and the cards rotate out. Um, so you have to think, you know, a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, everybody just net decks and they just play with whatever the efficient deck of that meta currently is. Um, and, and it's the same thing. And like, that's the same thing in every like TCG. Um, it used to have a really bad name, I think, or connotation with people. Right. Um, especially in Magic the Gathering uh, when I played back then. But uh, I think it's just an accepted fact now that that's, that's what people do. <laughs> well, especially with a digital game on a digital platform where it feels more part of like an online presence as opposed to Magic, which is a, a well, there is duels and arenas, but uh, for magic but it is still mainly at its core a physical game and so i think it feels a little different to be using uh pre-made decks yeah i guess but it's still like magic the gathering still has a meta around it and mm -hmm. if you go if you participate in any tournament there's like um 10 decks that you you will see um in the entire tournament and if anybody brings something different than that then they're probably not going to do very well or if they do very if they do extremely well well guess what that that deck has now just become the meta <laughs> so um it's hearthstone's kind of the same way um where you see streamers playing certain decks to get to legend um those become popular because of that uh you see uh, decks do very well in tournaments. Those decks become popular because of that. Um, and it's it's just it's just um, why. I mean, you you can be a deck builder and uh, put the work in uh, to do that. And if you are, you'll be very rewarded because you'll be the first person to figure that out. And a lot, you know, there's a lot of people that like that. Um, and then there's people that like me that just want to load up a game and play and not have to um think <laughs> think too much um or spend too much putting something together um i will just look to see okay what what's playing good and what fits my play style okay i'm going to try this deck out and see what happens so and That's and, really... our, and our show kind of like we talk about the meta on our show and we and and uh, we go over uh, those, you know, what the meta is doing and how you can either try to beat beat the meta or join, you know, the meta and play those decks. Do you ever do any sort of deck building or card breakdown segments on your show where you kind of discuss like what cards are working really well right now or why a card is broken or things like that? Um, we have in the past, uh, yeah, like we, we've had segments where, 
um, we talk about uh, different cards and why like this might be like if you're building a like for for example if you're building a druid deck uh, we might talk about what cards are like must-haves in every druid deck um, and then if you want to build and then depending on what you want to do with that deck like what what cards would be good for that um, if you want to go with an aggro style deck we'll have you know we've gone over you know what kind of cards you want to look for if you want to go for more of a control style deck we go over what cards to look for um and then um and then we talk about tech choices and what a tech card is and and what you would look for in a tech card um basically a tech card is something that uh like like for example if weapons uh they they, they released legendary weapons a couple sets ago mm. if those are super popular then a tech choice would be a card that would destroy a weapon or do something against that person with a weapon. Um, so if you're seeing that stuff happen a lot, then you know th these are cards that you would look at to maybe include like one or two of them in your deck um, to try to counter what what your opponent's doing. Well, in well met and on Twitter and on Blizzpro, you talk a lot about Hearthstone. And I want to know, I want to know a little bit about why you like Hearthstone, but I think to really understand why you like Hearthstone, we should understand why you like card games. So you've mentioned Magic Gathering, you've mentioned being a longtime fan of trading card games. Can you give us a little bit of your history with card games? Yeah, so it probably started in high school. And I'm trying to think back now on why we got started in that direction. And I don't think we saw anybody play the game. No, because I didn't know anybody that played. Um, I think it came down to I had a friend that brought it up to me on like, hey, do you know anything about Magic the Gathering? And I'm like, no, what is it? And he's like, well, I don't know anything about it either, but it's a card game and it looks interesting and the artwork looks cool. And... um. I'm like, all right, where can we get it? And I lived in a very small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so he's like, well, I guess we got to go to the city <laughs> because there were no like game shops or anything like that in existence uh, where we lived um, or comic book shops or anything like that. So I want to say probably several weeks later, uh, we went to like I grew up in small town, Iowa, and we lived probably an hour and a half east of Omaha, Nebraska. And so Omaha was like the closest city um, where, where that stuff might be. So um, we, we went up to Omaha and visited the comic book shops there. And they had a, um, they, they had Magic the Gathering, but they had a new set out called Portal, which was targeting like new players. So the cards were kind of dumbed down a bit and easier to kind of understand because Magic Gathering, like if you don't know how to play the game up front, like it's 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 uh it's quite a learning curve. Um so they tried to make the cards kind of easier to understand. And so we picked up a couple starter sets of that, which included kind of like the instructions and how to play. And we took that home and he had one deck and I had another, and then we just played against each other. 
And uh, we're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And we started learning the game more. And then we found out you can buy more cards and add to your deck. And so the next time we went up to Omaha, we did that. And um, and we started, you know, getting more and more cards that way. Um, and then we were playing uh, at some event, uh, like some gathering or it wasn't like a, it was like a community event, not like a nerd event or anything like that. Um, and, uh, like a, like a church dinner or something like that. And we had brought out the decks and we we're starting to play against each other. And then, uh, some of my friends saw us and they're like, what's this? And these were friends that we had played, uh, Dungeons and Dragons with. And I was, and that's kind of how we got started from there is Dungeons and Dragons kind of evolved into, uh, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> um, and so we were showing them and they're like, oh, this is kind of cool. So they went up to Omaha and they started buying their own cards. And then we all had our own decks and we started playing against each other. And then we found out there was a town about 30 miles north. So it was a lot closer than Omaha um, that sold these cards. And they they were having tournaments. They were having Friday Night Magic. And so every Friday night, almost every Friday night, we would go up there and play. And, uh, so, so that's, that was a lot of my, like, I want to say my junior and senior year in high school, um, was going up there and playing magic and, well, with my friends and, uh, just, we just played that a lot. And then I played it a lot through college. Um, I got to the point where, um, I, I was becoming very good at it and, and I was doing well in tournaments and in 2009, so this would have been. 12 years after I started playing, um, I actually uh, was one turn away and I messed up. I was one turn away from qualifying for nationals. Wow. <laughs> and it was, it was because I made a dumb mistake on, um, uh, on something because I forgot that a card did a certain thing. And uh, it, it, if I hadn't have done that, I would have went. Um, but I was fine with not going so uh nationals was happening I, I live in kansas city now uh so and nationals that year was happening in kansas city oh wow uh, so it would have been kind of cool to uh be able to compete here but um didn't happen but i did get a good like go to nationals and and play around uh at, at the event um but not like as a player in the actual tournament well i think there's something to be said for community building in this way as well because there there are elements of Hearthstone that are very community focused I think Blizzard does a really good job with mm -hmm. you know uh, fireside gatherings and getting people actually physically together to play Hearthstone I think that the idea that that is a thing uh, is very helpful because there's an element that you just miss when you start playing a digital card game versus Magic the Gathering. Like, you miss ripping open those little cellophane packs and looking at all the card art and putting together a deck. That's my favorite part of Magic the Gathering is, like, opening all the cards and then building a deck and figuring out, like, what do I have and what is the best combination of things going to be and how am I going to best use this and, you know, what exactly is my theme and my story for my deck? Like, I love doing that stuff. And, and I... I feel like I lose a little bit of that with Hearthstone, but I think, I, I think that 
they've brought it back with community building. And I think that, you know, there's some parallels to be drawn there between growing up and being a little baby nerd and being fostered by Magic Gathering and now hosting a Hearthstone-based podcast and creating community that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I still have all my Magic the Gathering cards. And, and I think what drew me to Hearthstone the most was the fact that I had stopped playing Magic in around 2011. Um, and it just came down to the fact that I just bought a new car. Um, I, I At the time, I had a new girlfriend who is now my wife. It just came down to just money. And I just didn't... Like, I, I had money I wanted to spend elsewhere. Because I was spending so much Magic. Because Magic is not a cheap hobby. No, not at all. So when Blizzard announced uh, at PAX in uh, PAX East in 2013, that sounds about right. Yes. Yes. 2013. Um, it's, uh, was it 20? Yeah. 2013. Anyway, um, a lot of people were like, what is Blizzard doing? Why are they doing a card game? And I'm just sitting over here excited. Because <laughs> I'm like, yes, a free uh, CCG. I'm uh, And it's using the Blizzard franchise, uh, I, or one of Blizzard's franchises, uh, World of Warcraft. I love World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And uh, that's when I decided, okay, when, when we had already had Blizz Pro created at that point. And um, uh, Blizz Pro at that time, we just had like the homepage and we just covered like all of the games on that homepage. And when Hearthstone was announced and shortly after, we decided to create like a separate Hearthstone website. And that's where all of our Hearthstone news went. Now, if you go to Blizz Pro, you'll see that we have like uh, Blizz Pro, like a Blizz Pro front page. Uh, mm-hmm. with all the news of all the franchises, but then you can click down into the individual games and each of those is like its own separate kind of website. Um, so we have one for like each franchise um, and the Hearthstone, Hearthstone kind of is what started that for us um, because we just found out it worked better. And Hearthstone at the time was like our, also our most popular website. Uh, our, and to this day, it's still... Um, I want to say between Hearthstone and Diablo um, is probably where most of our traffic comes from. Yeah, as far as your community uh, comment, uh, Fireside Gatherings are a great way. Um, I, I'm interested in seeing what Blizzard does with these pre-release ter- or these pre-release events that they're doing now, uh, that they're starting starting to try with this expansion. And um, I actually put on a Fireside Gathering very very early on, like the game would have just launched and then. Uh, it was before the Fireside pro- program was even really a thing. And uh, we put one on, and I I was surprised that we had, like, 60 people show up. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I expected, like, five, if that. Um, but we had, like, 60 people show up. And so we started doing... But before that, I was doing, um, I was doing bar crafts. So a lot of the people that went to our bar crafts um, came to that event as well so i think that's probably how the number was a bit more than i was expecting um and uh so we had a lot of fun with that um uh one of our 
bigger events that we had, uh, fireside gatherings we had, and probably one of the last ones that I did was at the Google Fiber Space here in Kansas City. And we Ooh. had about eight people show up for that, and it was like an all-day-long tournament. And um, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of like pretty big prizes for it. And um, uh, one of the guys, uh, Sam Benson is his name. Uh, he was a college student over at uh, Kansas University, and he had gone to the he had gone to my fireside gathering that I was putting on, and that inspired him to start doing his own at Kansas University. And so he started doing them there and then he moved and then he graduated and moved to Kansas city and he started, um, Kansas city firesides, uh, Casey firesides and, mm-hmm. uh, has been putting on really successful fireside gatherings in Kansas city now. Um, so it, it's kind of cool how those communities also evolve on, um, you know, there, there's, you know, I always I always forget that people that come to these might get inspired to do something themselves. And uh, and 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 then also, you know, grow something for their own. And that's what Sam did. And I, I, I just I thought that was really cool. And like he was big enough, like he had a, um, a, a Blizzard community manager uh, fly in uh, to one of the fireside gatherings here in Kansas City. And uh, uh, he was like one of the main quote unquote innkeepers that got invited out to Blizzard campus to talk about the fireside events that he was having. And uh, we even had some of our tweets at the Kansas City Fireside Gathering like uh, retweeted by like Ben Brode. Um, and in fact, Ben Brode even talked about one of the things that Sam had put together. Like he, he had this uh, wheel spin thing because when they introduced um, these deck codes, um, Sam had these QR codes with these deck codes and then you'd scan them and open up Hearthstone and it would, like create the deck for you, you know? So, and then you, and then you'd play that deck against someone else that did the same on the wheel spin. So you get like two different decks and then play against each other and see who wins. Ooh, that's a really fun format. Yeah. And Ben Brode, like even talked about it, like BlizzCon or something like that on how he had seen someone put that together with the deck codes and thought that was really cool. Um, so it, it, it was kind of cool to see, you know, Sam grow as well into, into that. And then I'm sure that he, he probably inspired more people to maybe do something as well. It's like a snowball. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, you're like, uh, you're like the spark that lights the fire passion, right? Just getting inspired, but I also get inspired by other people too, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Or is a <laughs> is a fire maybe not the best thing to reference right now? I don't know. <laughs> Have some angry yeah. alliance players oh, in the mentions. Yeah. No. Let's talk a bit about Hearthstone specifically because we talked about magic and how that's kind of mm-hmm. where your you grew up in card games and where you really found your love for it. But where is your love in Hearthstone lying? Like, do you have a specific deck you like to play? Do you have a specific style you like to play? What is it about Hearthstone that really, that you enjoy that kind of just grabs you by the heart? Um, I think, I think it's the fact that I can just hop on and play like a few games and then go do something else. Um, as I get older, my game time becomes less and less. 
Um, and that's just because of other obligations or, um, things like that. Like I, we just bought a new house. So, you know, that, that's taking time, uh, for that. And, um, I probably write and talk about games more than I play them now. Um, and then with the stuff that I do at work, like I, I work a lot of hours, um, n- not just in the office, but also outside the office on uh, just because uh, uh, I'm a programmer but, and I come home and I just start programming more stuff for some reason. Um, so the fact that I can just hop on, play, and then do something else is, and, and still feel like I did something uh, fun, uh, worthwhile, something that made me think, something that uh, made me relax um, sometimes. And sometimes it just makes me angry because that's Hearthstone. But <laughs> um, uh, so I think it's just that um, I. I I don't know what it is other than just hopping on, being able to play some games, not have to be overly committed to the game. Um, not have to feel like if I don't play, you know, three days this week or something like that, that I'm missing out on something. Right. Uh, I can play at my own leisurely pace. Um, I can rank up uh, without worrying about it decaying. Um, other than once a month, uh, at the beginning of the month when the, when the, uh, rankings reset, um, or if I'm legend, which happens, but not very often. And even when I become <laughs> legend, I don't care about where I'm at as at my legend rank anyway. I just care that I hit legend or not. Yeah. That's the important part. Yeah. And so it's just, and and just the various like fun things you can do with some of the with some of the decks. Um, I like to play. Um, I like to play more of a tempo style, almost aggro uh, style. Um, although there are a handful of control decks that I enjoy playing as well. Um, like right, like I sometimes I like being able to respond to what people are doing and then make it like a big. Like they'll get me down really low and then I'll make a big comeback. And th- those are fun. I also like winning like five turns. So, um, <laughs> so it just really, it just really depends on the mood I'm in that day. If I want to see how fast I can rank up, um, I'll play more aggro style. If I uh, am just wanting to play some well drawn out games, um, I'll play some more control style. Um, and I also like playing with some different combo decks and things like that. Although those aren't, in my opinion, as fun as they are in Magic the Gathering. In Magic the Gathering, I play a lot of combo decks. A lot. So so my, my preferences are definitely different between the two games. But also, like, scratches that itch of uh, playing CCGs and without investing a ton of money. Um, or without having to find people to play with, which, you know, is also a problem playing Magic the Gathering. You have to have someone across from you to play that game. That is true. I mean, although, you know, Arenas is out, Duels is still kind of... Yeah. 
there it exists True. but the real core of it is a physical card game and i think hearthstone really has the uh has the whole digital card game realm uh pretty well pretty well fleshed out you know and i i really do enjoy i really do enjoy talking about the game um I do enjoy writing about the game. Uh, I, I also enjoy um, the community around our podcast and getting questions from them and answering them and uh, or talking back and forth with them on like Twitter um, or in our Discord channel. So um, it's all of that's like, yeah, it's just uh, it's 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 a different community um, than some of the other games. Um, depending on where you're at in the community, like all communities, there's very toxic people. Um, you just have to kind of know where to look to get around those and, uh, find, find a more positive, uh, community. And, uh, that usually involves not going to Reddit. (laughs) 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 Yes, that is very true. Hmm. (laughs) We've talked about little baby JR. We've talked about a little high school boy playing Magic the Gathering, playing Dungeons and Dragons. I yep. would love to know when you started playing games. Like, when do you feel oh. like your first experience with games was? Um. Oh, wow. I've played games as long as I can remember. Video games as long as I can remember. Um... Like, I was absolutely, like, obsessed with Atari as a, like, I, I, I probably was three, uh, as far back as three years old, um, is maybe my first, because uh, I, I think, uh, I don't even remember what my first game would have been, but I know it would have had to be something with Atari, um, and it was probably either um, Pac-Man um or defender um or there is this i i don't remember the name of it though but you were like a kangaroo and it was sort of like donkey kong donkey kong might be donkey kong and frogger might be a couple more maybe pitfall as well like i remember all of those games i was just obsessed with them all um i think at that age, you know, when you're three or when you're a child, child, you you really there's something about those games. It's not just the the colors on the screen, although it wasn't that many colors <laughs> in the early games. But, you know, it's not just the lights or the, the little animation, which is, you know, completely new and interesting. But I think it's something about the puzzle solving that engages the brain. You know, yeah. I think it's something about that that as a kid just really pulls you in. Yeah, that and my imagination as well on um because these are just pixels on a the screen. There's really no st- there there was really no story with those games. Um so my imagination of creating stories while I'm playing these games as well was something I did a lot as a kid on like why is this frog wanting to cross the road? and not get hit by cars um (laughs) or you know why is this kangaroo um trying to get to its baby kangaroo um 
you know, why is, why did this big monkey take this woman? And why am I like this carpenter um, trying to save, <laughs> save her from this big monkey? <laughs> you know, um, just things like that. And I'd come up with stories and uh, have them in my head as I'm playing. Uh, the other thing that though is probably when I was about four or five is, um, you know, I was in a small town, um, but arcade machines were super popular, um, at the time. So this would have been, uh, around 83, 84, um, 1983, 1984. And, um, um, and I remember, uh, the town over those about five miles away, um, they had a arcade and so you can go in there and then, you know, spend your quarters uh, to go play these games. And that's how I got um, invested in um, Super Mario Brothers or in Mario Brothers and then Super Mario Brothers because they did have a Super Mario Brothers uh, arcade machine. And that's how I was introduced to Super Mario. And, and Mario is like my all time favorite character, by the way. Um, and uh, I remember playing that and I remember getting in trouble uh, once because I stole my mom's quarters from <laughs> the purse. And then I acted like, look at all these quarters that I found in my room. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't believe me. And I mm. got in trouble. Yeah. I don't know why she wouldn't have believed me. Um, I was very convincing. I'm sure. But yeah, who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> But these quarters just appeared here, and I don't know how. Um, we should go to the arcade and go spend them. <laughs> Let me ask you. I'm interested to hear your take on this. But for me, in my area, there are no more arcades. The arcade, nope. the arcade that I went to in my adolescence is does not exist any longer. Are there any arcades in your area? And how do you feel about the disappearance of arcades? Um, so there, there are some places like there's Dave and Buster's, which mm. I used to really enjoy Buster's, but I don't anymore. Um, mostly because Dave and Buster's used to be like adult themed and they would have like good arcade machines. And now they have things that give you tickets <laughs> and I hate those. I hate, right. I'm just not a, um, and, uh, it's not really, I don't really feel it's adult themed anymore. Uh, there's a lot of kids roaming around. Um, so that was cool when like those started showing up. Um, and we still have like two of them in our area. I might just never go to them anymore, uh, for the reasons I stated. Uh, but, the popular thing that's been popping up and there's two, two of these in downtown Kansas city. And I've been to them a couple times is the uh, idea of an arcade bar. Mm, the barcade. Yeah. And they have like old school arcade games there and then beer. And then in one of them, they even have like a theater, like a screen. Ooh. Well, um, and there's one not too far from where I work. Um, unfortunately I just don't go to them very often. And I think a lot of that is just because, um, and the reason why arcades aren't popular um, over time, is, and I do miss those days, but at the same time, it's like I've 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 got more at home than what they have in their, you know, at their location, and I don't have to 
worry about touching the same controls as other people and getting sick. Um, I don't have to, uh, uh, fight over, uh, machines. I don't have to worry about machines not working. Um, and if they do, I can fix them myself, uh, at home <laughs> and, um, just all, you know, just all the wonkiness there. Um, uh, also I just have my own arcade machine at home too. So, <laughs> are you referring to a PC being an arcade machine or do you have no. actual literal boxes I, in I, your house? No, yeah, I have a 1983 Galaga machine down <sighs> in my basement. Cabinet, the original an original arcade cabinet for Galaga. Oh, that's got to be a joy to play. Yeah. Yeah, I I play it. I don't play it too often, but uh uh, I, I want to get more because now we have a pretty big basement and I would love to get more, uh, more arcade machines. So maybe at some point I'll be getting, there's a handful of them that I really want. Like I want the, uh, I want the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. <gasps> oh my player. gosh. The four player one. That game was amazing. That's like probably my all time favorite arcade, like arcade game. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I would like to get, uh, I would like to get that one and I would like to get hmm, I would like to get like the old Nintendo um red tint thing. I don't remember what it's called though, but you can you can install like multiple games on it like mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers uh arcade machine. Um the Neo Geo? Is that it? Is that not a Neo Geo? No, it, okay. it's, it's like it looks like a red like everybody refers to it as a red tint because the machine looks like a red tint. <laughs> so there's usually like one or two sides to it and then uh you can instead of it being like a just a specific game you can install a cartridge in it and play that game Ooh. um but it would be but it would be like the owner of the store putting having that cartridge in at all times basically because right. they wouldn't like come in and switch it out to, for you to play a different game it would just be okay. This is RBI baseball. You're playing that for, you know, the next six months, and then maybe they would buy another cartridge and install it in, the, in that same box. Um, and it wasn't really a cartridge; it was like a, it's like something else. Um, but they, but so they had this basic design, and then you could, I the ones that I remember playing as a kid in some of the old bars and things like that um, was RBI baseball, um, Excite Bike. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr. and a handful of others. Those are the three that I primarily remember, though. So, um, but I would love to get I would love to get one of those. They're very hard to find, though. It is always really nice to have those physical cabinets. Like I have a couple of friends who have some of like the Street Fighter cabinets. They have some Marvel vs. Capcom cabinets because those are fun. You know, the like four player cabinets always good at a gathering those are really enjoyable um but at the same time yeah you have to maintenance them you have to keep them in your house you have to take up room you have to buy parts you have to know how to how to use them i would rather have an original machine than one of those um like 301s or um something that's just uh like an emulation machine that's running on a raspberry pi or something like that like i would like if I if I get any machine, it's going to be original hardware and everything. I don't want any of this knockoff junk. Anyway, 
Sorry, that's just my rant. <laughs> no, I hear that. And I mean, you have the skills to repair it and to know how to like fix little no, problems don't. that come up, you know? No, I don't. I'll hire no. someone. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is something that there's just something about cabinets. There, There is a, a, a convention, a video game convention called MAGFest that's here uh, every year and here being it's in the National Harbor in uh, near DC. Um, but it, every year it's a 24 hour, uh, it's open 24 hours. It lasts for like four days and it just has so many cabinets like it's the only time i'll ever be able to play primal rage which is this like ridiculous dinosaur fighting yeah, uh video I game nope. <laughs> nope i remember that game uh the only thing that's infuriating about magfest is that i, I too loved frogger it was one of my favorite games as a kid i loved it and there's a frogger cabinet there surely is uh but Frogger is invisible due to some glitch in the game. And so the game is like, play invisible Frogger. And, you know, if you get the high score, like you get this like special recognition and award and whatnot. But I am not good at invisible Frogger. And I just went with all of my little heart just to be able to play regular Frogger again. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time I played Frogger, but yeah, I, I like that's one of the first games I really remember playing. And then and then even going on from that, like um the first Nintendo that I got, and that was the first home game system. No, I had an Atari when I was a kid. Um uh but I remember getting a Nintendo um because my parents had bought a TV. And do you remember those um old cabinet TVs like it was a, a CRT TV that came in like this big wooden cabinet thing oh boy. like an entertainment center of itself yeah I don't know how old you are but uh, those, yeah those things were a thing I I have seen photos of those and you know my family mm. may have had them but I don't have a recollection of that particular cabinet I, I remember when we bought it because just for the fact that by my parents buying it, they were also given a Nintendo system Ooh. <laughs> for free. Nice. Um, so that's how I got my Nintendo. Um, and then that's when I started getting hooked on, really hooked on Super Mario and uh, um, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, yes. Um, Mega Man. Uh, John Elway's quarterback, um, uh, and, and just uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, and just all of those games, um, and I just played the heck out of them. And uh, that's that's, and then and then that transitioned into the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo, and that transitioned into in high school with the PlayStation, and then in college with the PlayStation Two. And, and I just, I just have always just bought the new systems, um, after that. And, uh, uh, so for a long time, I, like, I don't remember not, uh, buying consoles and, or games and playing them. And I still have like all of my old, all of my old systems and games. 
I have so many of them <laughs> when I was a kid. Oh, that's a fantastic collection. I, I I have a very small collection. Like I have a GameCube and and oh, what else do I have? I have oh. like six Windows. <laughs> nice. But I but I never play them. I have like I have like six or seven different consoles, like various like Playstations, GameCubes, things like that, Xboxes that I just like have because I've I've had them and I need to display them or something, but all my games are on the PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I have probably four bookcases full of games. Nice. Um, that aren't current. So, and I have probably another bookcase of current games. So, I have, I've collected a lot over the years. And uh, keep in mind, some of that collection is not just from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that collection is stuff I've bought recently um, because I remember playing that game at a friend's house and... Um, I had good memories of it, so I never owned it myself, but I went ahead and bought it so that I could play it some other time. Your house sounds like a really cool place to hang out, so, you know, <laughs> I will be coming by sometime, you know. But... Well, it's up right now, but once we... I, I'm i working on it. I have a... Uh, I've been working on the basement on... Um, uh, in fact, I just put together the stuff with Ikea this weekend. Um, that we bought at Ikea that I can have all of, and I should be getting something tomorrow uh, from Amazon so that I can hook up all the game systems to one TV with one switcher. Ooh, fancy. And I'll probably have 10 systems hooked up. Like a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, a Nintendo 64, a GameCube, a Sega Saturn, um... Uh, uh, Sega Dreamcast and um, uh, PlayStation 3 and what else? What else? Uh, uh, GameCube. Sounds like you're going to be hosting some game nights in your future. (laughs) Yeah. So when you were moving, because you just moved, Mm -hmm. did you have that moment? Because for me, it's always like, you're going through all your stuff when you're moving and you're putting things in a boxes, but a lot of times you can get distracted by looking at something and being overwhelmed by a, a memory of what it, what it meant mm-hmm. to you or when you bought that, did you have any of those experiences during this move? Not during this move. I don't think. And I think a lot of that is because I was just so busy and had to get things done so quickly. Um, that I, I couldn't have, you know, I, I had to force myself not to do that. Um, but I know in past moves, totally, um, totally, I, I've I've done that. I can't, I can't tell you any stories because I don't remember <laughs> um, what particular things were, but I know that I've done that numerous times. Yeah. Um, it, and it's usually like just thinking about like, um, it could be various, tons of various things. It may not even be gaming related. Um, it might be um, something that I saw about my dad um, something that, um, from high school, um, uh, that reminded me of the sports that I played, um, and the teams that I was on in high school. Um, and, and just, uh, 
sometimes it might be games and and just being like oh yeah i bought this uh because i played it at my cousin's house um a long time ago and we did x y and z uh that weekend when i was over there you know various things like that well is that something that your that your parents video games specifically was that something that your parents were open to you being into and like because you know you're talking about playing at three but then you're playing dungeons and dragons and you're playing magic the gathering and and those things uh to to parents sometimes can be kind of like oh what is this were they supportive of your hobbies um they like they weren't not supportive (laughs) (laughs) like they didn't never told me not to right um they kind of just let me do my own thing um as long as i just followed the rules of whatever um my parents were actually very strict as far as like rule wise on certain things um uh i like i was i was always grounded it, it felt like um but um but the but being grounded didn't have like super bad consequences either. Um, it might have felt like it for like an hour or something like that. But then, you know, they, they'd normally forget. Uh, my mom would have a tendency to like take away like my game controllers or things mm. like that. And then I'd go find them and, uh, <laughs> or I'd have extras and just hook it up <laughs> when she was gone and play anyway. <laughs> so, so, um, well, I think, uh, you know, it just, uh, I, I played a lot of games, um, but at the same time, like it wasn't affecting like my grades. Like I was like a straight A student in high school in, in middle school and everything. So it, it was like, it's like, I wasn't in, I was doing like my chores or whatever. So it wasn't like I was I don't know. And I'd go play outside even, which people don't do today. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like it's like I I think it's because I was getting all this other stuff done and I was a fairly decent kid, I think, that um they just didn't they just let me do whatever I wanted because I I feel like as a kid I had um you know, like I wasn't like doing stupid stuff. Like I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing drugs. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> I think I think they would rather I think they much rather have a kid that was doing that than other stuff. So how do you feel about the resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons? I think it's really cool. Yeah, you love it? Oh yeah. I think it's really cool. Um it's gotten um, it got my wife interested in Dungeons and Dragons because of it. Yay! Awesome. Um, because I had in, because I still I still uh, DM and play with with my friends that I started playing with in high school. Some of them, some of them, some of the some of my players are um, friends I had in school, friends I had in college, and uh, friends that I met after I moved to Kansas City. And they all live here in Kansas City. Um, so we get together about once a month and play. And I'm uh, DMing. 
and um, for until recently, in the I, I introduced my wife to Critical Role, um, uh, which is the uh, you 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 should know what it is. It's, Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, um, it, it's a uh, you know D and D game session run by these really awesome voice actors, and I never watched season one. Um, but I always hear people or heard people talking about it. And um, when I heard that they were starting up season two and I, I attempted to watch, but I didn't understand like the characters or anything like that. So I wasn't invested. Um, so I, but the people seemed kind of funny, um, but I, I wouldn't like sit down and watch it. Uh, you know, I I'd, I'd watch like 10 minutes of it and go, ah, this seems sort of amusing. Um, when season two started, and they were showing off like the new characters. Uh, I I put on my TV and uh, we were we were eating. My wife was uh, watching. So like, where where are we where are we watching? Or I'm like, oh, there's a series called uh, Critical Role, and they're starting. Uh, they play D and D and they're voice actors, and um, they're starting up a new campaign. So they're 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 gonna have these new characters or whatever, and. I, I'm like, you know, it seems like it's might be something kind of interesting. And she thought it was going to be like dumb. She's like, eh, I'll give it a shot, but you know, I might, might leave after 30 minutes or so. Uh, we watched the full like four hours or whatever that first episode. <laughs> um, and we, we really enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. And uh, then I, I wasn't going to like turn it on the next week. Like, I, I figured I'd just watch it later. And she started bugging me. She's like, are, are we going to watch Are we gonna watch episode two tonight? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so we watch it every week now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and because of that, because of her watching that, um, I started up a new D&D campaign with my friends. Like, we had been playing anyway, but we had just kind of ended the one that uh, we, we were playing. And I had them roll up uh, new characters recently. And, uh, we, we play like once a month. We just had our second, yeah, we just had our second session, uh, two, two weeks ago. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll have another one at the end of August for our third one. So, um, yeah, so she got, she got interested in it. So I think, I think, uh, so I think the resurgence of D and D, um, becoming popular on Twitch and people becoming invested in it uh, brings in new players. And uh, I think that's awesome. I think that's really cool. And it brings in, I, I think the the most awesome thing is, is it's bringing in more diverse players as well. Um, that's showing that D&D is a game for everybody. And it, it's not going to have this, because when I, when I first started playing it, and for a long time, it had a stereotype of um, a, a nerdy boy in his mom's basement, mm-hmm. the type of player that would be interested in D anD. d And um, I'm glad that stereotype is starting to go away. Um, and that, I, I, what I'm hopeful though is these uh, these guys that feel like they're having this stuff taken away because it was theirs and it was their precious um will just uh grow up and uh accept the fact that hey no there's there's a lot more people playing and that's really cool 
and really awesome. And uh, you should definitely be accepting of that. Absolutely. I think that the the resurgence of, of D&D, thanks to Critical Role, thanks to actual play podcasts that are out there, like Adventure Zone, I think things like that have made it so accessible. You can express so many different stories and characters and do it in like a funny way. There was one way that um, I interviewed John Jagger recently and he said something where it was like, you know, you, you, you used to have a bunch of like, you know, nerds that would, and said lovingly, but you know, nerds that would come up and they were nervous about playing for the first time. And the D and D is really the only person in character being like, I need some heroes for an adventure. And then, you know, they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, what do I do here? But now, because you can go and watch this fantastic story being played out Mm -hmm. in real time by voice actors, you can kind of come, come in knowing that it's like, it's okay to do that. It's cool to let your imagination go and to like try out new things. I think it's giving like letting people role play more freely, which is pretty cool. Yep. No, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think it's great. And I wish that when I was in high school that we, we would have had something like this. Um, uh, because, uh, uh, even, even video games back then, uh, you know, weren't overly socially acceptable. Um, mm. I remember being made fun of by um, a, a guy's girlfriend next door to me um, in college. She's like, "Why? Why are you? Uh, why are you sitting in your room playing these children's games? You're an adult now," um, and just mocking me for that, and you know, trying to make me feel bad about it. Um, and, but that's something that I, you know, that through high school and college, um, I dealt with a lot, uh, same, same with Dungeons and Dragons, same with, uh, Magic the Gathering, um, probably a little le- like, I, I, as I said, I was in a very small town. Um, my, my graduating class was like 30. Wow. Um, oh, that is small. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the town I was in, um, uh, like I had to go to the town over to go to school. Um, the town I grew up in uh, had a population of less than a hundred. Oh goodness, that's a blip on a map. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so part of it was nice for the fact that I wasn't um, completely ridiculed because everybody kind of knows, you know, everybody, and uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, if I was in a bigger school. Um, people would have been a little more mean, um, but people were still mean. Um, uh, so it's, uh, um, but, but at the same time, I like, you know, I, I played sports. I got along with people for the most part. Um, but anything that had to do with my hobbies of, um, you know, D and D video games, um, playing Nintendo, um, uh, magic the gathering, like all of that was always like made fun of. Um, with that stuff what do you so what do you think now about folks who who experience that and my experience is a little bit different because it was a little bit more accepted and like I've Mm -hmm. always been very outwardly like I went through a goth phase and like all this different stuff so like for me it's like ooh, like 
video games if i'm being teased about that it's like i'm being teased about a number of things who cares but right but what do you feel about you know folks who had that experience and then internalize that and now that you know being a nerd is cool and you Marvel movies are everywhere and it's this big thing that you know, yeah. people are making yeah. money off of. And everyone's just like, you know, mm-hmm. excited about it. Everyone's a nerd now. How do you feel about folks that have taken that and, and kind of become resentful about it? Like, Oh, I had to be, I was picked on. And now, you know, you like these things that you would have picked me, picked on me for in the past. Like, Oh, how do you feel about that I mentality? Have, I have no respect for those people. Like none. Like, um, why, why are you resentful that people enjoy now enjoy something that, that you enjoyed? I don't understand that mentality. I don't, I don't respect that mentality. Um, it's, I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. Um, I, I think it's cool that, you know, it's more mainstream. The only, it, it, it still affects me to this day because, um, uh, for the fact that because I was made fun of so many times mm. on this stuff i'm i'm not outgoing uh in person um with my um with my interests right my true interests um and um and oh I, you know i'm much more of an introvert because of that i believe uh because i i don't because i like talking about this kind of stuff and we you know we've been talking for an hour and a half about <laughs> it and i could probably talk way more because i enjoy talking about this kind of stuff um, but, um, uh, cause I can talk about this stuff all day. Um, but I'm not very good with small talk. Um, I'm not good with just, uh, having conversation to have conversation. I like having conversation about things I'm interested in. Um, so, uh, it's one of those things where it's not something I bring up if, you know, if you meet me, in, unless it's at like BlizzCon or something like that. Right. Um, you know, if, I, if you're just, uh, you know, a coworker that I've just met or a friend or, or not a friend, but like someone I just met, like, I'm not going to bring up, Hey, do you play video games? Yeah. Or talk about that stuff because even though I know that it's more uh, acceptable and mainstream, like I've been, um, you know, over time it, it just, you know, years and years of being made fun of for that kind of stuff. It's, it's not something I bring up uh, normally in like normal conversation or anything like that. Um, And that's funny because um, people that are a lot younger than me, like we just had an intern. um, uh, He was like (laughs) half my age, Uh, (laughs) which is weird for me to say. (laughs) Um, Not, not quite half my age, but almost Um, he's, he's sitting there with a Pokemon, uh, desktop screen. Um, uh, he, 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 he had, uh, you know, all this gaming stuff that he had on his desk and, uh, he just, you know, he's very open about, Hey, I, you know, I love video games and this kind of stuff. And, um, uh, it's interesting to me that if I had done that 20 years ago, you know, uh, my, my, uh, my employer would have been like, why, why do you spend so much time playing video games when you could be working, you know, <laughs> um, which is a conversation I've had before. Really uh, interesting. 
I oh yeah, I've actually gotten uh when um esports were still new and was being sort of live streamed, not on Twitch yet, because Twitch wasn't a thing yet. Um there was a StarCraft tournament that I wanted to watch. Um it was during work hours and I had it up on my second monitor and had headphones on and it was just kind of listening to it and um someone reported me for playing video games at work ouch now keep in mind now i want to i want to set the scenario here on to the right of me and to the left of me were two people who also had things up on their second screen and it was a baseball game they're 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 stream having streamed some kind of base you know, uh, baseball game like Royals, Kansas City Royals baseball game, and no one no one says anything, no one says anything about that. But because uh, I had video a video game up on my screen, someone thought that I was playing that game, <laughs> and uh, I I had and I um, I ended up getting fired over it because I refused to write a. Um, a note that said that basic that basically was me saying would be me saying yes I was playing video games at work and no I will never do it again. Wow. I'm like I'm not I'm like I'm not signing that because I wasn't playing video games. So and they just couldn't comprehend what esports were and the fact that someone would be watching them. You could not comprehend, you could not comprehend it at all. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, hey, yep. that doesn't sound like a fantastic work- workplace to begin with. So you're probably better off. But I'm better off. But my Absolutely. goodness, I think that my perspective is probably a bit different. Like, like I will to kind of preclude the fact that I am a introvert. I will be like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just a big old nerd, and these are my nerd hobbies. And like, yes, I will be talking about, you know weird movies or video games or, or podcasts or whatever and if you don't get it that's fine but like I do that as a defense mechanism because several times I've like started talking about something and someone's like what I don't understand I don't get it this is childish this is dumb so you know that stuff still exists that stigma still exists but I think it's definitely to a, a lesser extent these days I'm sorry you had those experiences right. but being it no it's just it's just the course of time mm. on how, how things how people's opinions have changed over things and uh it's just it's kind of interesting I, i'm curious to see you know where we're gonna be 20 years from now um so it, it's it, it's fun to kind of reflect on stuff like that on you know and, and to this day like um i i normally don't bring this kind of stuff up to at work um uh, except what happens is I had a manager uh, who was very interested in Blizzard games and I did have like a BlizzCon um, mouse pad mm. that he commented on and I found out that he he was really into Blizzard games and World of Warcraft and Warcraft 3 and all this stuff so he would always come over and start talking to me about it and then um, and then his manager got hired like a year ago um, he, he, and he's like the, uh, senior vice president of our division. 
and uh, he's really in he's really into video games. And so he was telling me him about like this website that I have and things like that. And then stuff that I don't talk about at work or I normally have kept fairly secret. Um, but then he found out about it and then he started talking to me about it. And we've had lots of converse, good conversations about this stuff. Um, and, and then, uh, and then he goes around and starts telling like the interns or some of the new hires who are in the games that <laughs> they're like, yeah, JR's like this famous, like, gaming guy and i'm like no i'm not come on <laughs> heck yeah and then they'll about it and uh, uh like i was showing our intern recently about my website because he was asking me about it and he's like oh i've been to this website I'm like okay that's kind of cool <laughs> so um so it, it is pretty cool like how how much more accepting that 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 kind of stuff is and uh how more open i can i can be about it um even though i probably not um but i can feel at least a little more open at my current work workspace which is cool and i feel like that's the case for several companies now as well um, where it wasn't like 10 years ago hey it's a big deal you're doing a lot like you've got your own you've got people that work on the website you've got people that host this mm -hmm. podcast with you you know you've done a lot and you deserve to be proud of that and, and to be able to talk about it. And I'm glad that you are now in an environment where you can feel safe to do so. It's really cool hearing yeah. like your boss brag to the, the interns about that. That's gotta be such a surreal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Or just to have someone like look at the website and be like, Oh yeah, I know, I know, uh, I know the site. I've been there. <laughs> uh, uh, heck, uh, just recently, um, Someone messaged me on Twitter and uh, they were asking me, because uh, if you wanted to find out where I work, um, hell, it's, it's on my Twitter mm -hmm. account. Um, I, I work at Hallmark, so I'll just state it anyway. Um, and uh, this guy listens to Well Met. He, he knew, and then sometimes I talk about it on Twitter too about where I work. And uh, he messaged me on Twitter and he wanted to meet up sometime because he was going to be starting work at Hallmark as well. And uh, I think he starts this month, so I might be having lunch with him pretty soon. Uh, but just stuff like that's like kind of cool too on uh, uh, people I work with who um, have listened to the show or um, gone to the website or, um, um, or even future uh, coworkers that I might meet. Um, so it's, it's, and, and I've been recognized at places before too, which is weird. And I never thought would happen. Um, I was at Dragon Con last year and someone came up to me and, uh, introduced themselves and it's like, Hey, I listened to well met. Um, my wife and I went to Disney world, um, last or, um, in March of this year. And, uh, as I'm in Disney world, I get a notification on Twitter of someone asking, Hey, are you at Disney world right now? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I just saw you. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm like that's okay. That's cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just, um, uh, just things like that is kind of, I don't know, different. So, um, so it's, 
I, I don't even know how to describe it. I think a, a surreal, I feel like, is probably probably a good description. Maybe I don't put words in your mouth, but I can't imagine. That has to be wild. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I even showed my wife, and I, I'm like, how, how, what, why? <laughs> what was her reaction? <laughs> her reaction was the same. What, how, what, how, why? <laughs> <laughs> and this is all through so. the power of the community. Like you started doing well met and blues pro because you blues pro because you loved these games you loved these this franchise this whole blizzard franchise and this is something that you were deeply invested Mm -hmm. in and that you started because you loved and and people clearly see that and are following and listening because they feel the same way about the franchises and they feel like they are seen because of what you're expressing and they feel this connection to you and your thoughts and now that that's popping Mm -hmm. up in the real world that's really cool yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But before we end, I want to ask you a what if question because that's always my closing thing on this podcast. So I'm going to ask you, you know, what if you could have one thing? You know, what if what if we can make this thing? And my what if question for you today is going to be, uh, what if you could make a, your ideal Hearthstone card? What would it be? Um. So Magic the Gathering, one of my favorite things to do is being able to manipulate. Um, my opponent's hand and being able to choose and discard a card uh, from their hand uh, or multiple cards or being able to manipulate something from their deck being able to go through and choose a card and remove it from their deck Hearthstone doesn't have any any cards like that right now and I've been saying on one map for a long time that I would love to see a card um, where I can manipulate uh, something uh, against my opponent like that. They've, they've been close. They had Dirty Rat, um, which will put a uh, you know a, a creature into play that they may not have wanted to play, and because of that, they don't they don't uh, get their battle cry effect off or things like that. Um, but it can also backfire in a bad way. Um, so it's very RNG heavy. Um, they've done some things where you can discard the top deck or the top card um, of your opponent's deck. Um, they've done things where you can take a card. Um, once again, it's all RNG related out of your opponent's deck. Um, so I would like to have a card where I can um, play a spell and preferably it'd probably be Warlock um, because that feels like a very Warlock thing to do um, where I can play a spell and see my opponent's hand and choose a card and have them discard it. Ooh. That's what I would want because it does two things. It allows me to see what my opponent is is holding at that moment in time and being able to uh, pick the card and not have it affected by uh, RNG. Yeah, I think it would be very skill intensive, but I also don't think they will ever print a card like that. No, I think that gives you too much of an advantage, but I do really like the discard a card element. Like I feel like, I feel like Hearthstone doesn't have a lot of like discard slash graveyard mechanics in it thus far. 
Yeah, anything graveyard mechanic would be really cool too. Yeah, that would be fun to see. And I think if we had a meta where the the card you just described existed, it would be like a discard and graveyard meta. So who knows? We might see that in the future. If any of you guys who are listening want to tweet at us some fun Hearthstone card mechanics, uh, let us know. Leave it in the Twitter. And thank you, JR, so much for your time today. It's been so fun talking with you. As I said, I can talk for hours about this stuff. If you ever want to talk more, just let me know. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you and bye, guys. All right. That was my episode J.R. Cook. I hope you go check him out at the links that I posted below. And if you liked this interview or the show in general, if you could rate and review on iTunes or leave a nice comment or even retweet my podcast episode postings, that all helps me and makes me feel very good inside, so I would appreciate it. All right, until the next time, see ya. Mm-hmm.